Hi, this is Kelsey Cooper, and I'm the host for Disabled Birth Stories podcast. I hope those in the disabled community can enjoy these stories of bringing beautiful babies into the world and the journey along the way. I hope this podcast helps you feel seen, heard, empowered, and capable, no matter your journey to being a parent. I hope those who are able-bodied would listen to empathize with and support their disabled family member, friend, acquaintance, or random stranger. Thank you for listening and feel free to email me if you have any questions or would like to be featured on the podcast at disabledbirthstories at gmail.com. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not intended as medical advice. Please consult your medical providers for all of your healthcare needs. Also, the views and opinions expressed by the guests are not necessarily the views and opinions of the host and vice versa. Thanks for joining us today. After listening to this episode, please remember to rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please also check the description for our social media links and the link to our merch store. Hi, this is Kelsey Cooper, and I'm back with Gabby, and she's going to tell us about her social work and perinatal work. Gabby, can you explain your career field and what you do? Yeah, definitely can start by explaining what the word perinatal is. So the way that I see it is any point is in preconception where you're thinking about becoming a parent to pregnancy to the first year of postpartum. So this is sort of how I see the perinatal period. So that we ensure to include people who are having challenges with fertility and who've experienced losses uh, in that definition. I'm a trained social worker who provides psychotherapy in my private practice as well as consulting. And when I say consulting, I consult around projects such as like disability and sexuality projects. I run workshops. I actually facilitate like a course on working with parents with disabilities, uh, working with individuals who are involved in the children's aid system and how to support them with that as well as like consulting on research if somebody's asking me my perspective on conducting a research study on this area. What would a consult for preconception and preparing for pregnancy for a disabled person look like? Yeah, so I think that it would be just really talking to the person about what their goals are in that where they're at, depending also where they're at in that stage and helping them connect with a family doctor if they don't have one, helping them connect with the fertility activity, uh, help with that fertility clinic, talking about some of the things that they should be considering in terms of maybe possible funding to access or how things are going to be different or looking into their housing and seeing if they have space for the baby there, what that would look like, how we could reorganize things, their support system, who that is relationships that they have either with their partner or other people in their support network and a lot of the stuff i will say private to this is that it's the same thing i would do if you didn't have a disability so just like you know not just specific to that this is sort of what happens in our assessment i think when you have a disability when we talk about being told that they wanted to have a baby as well but i think i would do that regardless but what people are saying how they're feeling about it if they have any concerns about becoming pregnant, what their concerns are, who best to answer that, exploring if they have any other like anxieties about it, what kind of their timeline is, where do they see that they're maybe needing some extra support. So really letting them lead the conversation and like figuring out what 
needs to happen prior to becoming pregnant. When you go to our fertility clinic here, um, they actually make you talk to like a I, to be honest, found that incredibly unhelpful. But uh, I think because A, I was coming at it from a very different circumstance and I had done a lot of research and to see her report, which they sent to you to be like, she should continue to look into like funding and resources, which she told me after it was like a placeholder, something she puts in every, everyone. Like she should continue to look for resources or other that. Um, I really found that like quite insulting. I'm like, I have a quiz about all the resources. I'm sure that I would win this quiz. But, you know, so I think I really don't want to assume that I know best and just really asking the clients what they're worried about. If they're coming to me and they obviously came for a reason. And sometimes it's even about their mental health history, regardless of disability. It's like, well, I have anxiety now. What's it going to be like when I'm pregnant or postpartum? Like, yeah, hard to predict that. What we know is it increases your risk of having perinatal anxiety and this, so why don't we work towards a plan to support you, not discourage it, right? Like, and a lot of misconceptions around mental health as well, like getting off medication because you're pregnant, feeling like you can't be on any medication when you're pregnant, especially with regards to your wounds. So really trying to break free of some of those misconceptions and getting them connected to the appropriate provider that can support them. Would the consult change much if they come to you once they are already pregnant? It always goes back to like what are their goals. So if they're coming to me, like what's going on right now? Are there challenges that they're experiencing? Think well, people's judgment, lack of support. Is it their mood that's affecting them? Especially with the disability, like how they're going to do certain things. Like maybe they're looking for unique ways to hold the baby or unique ways to you know, get around with the baby, but they don't really know who to ask about that. Different considerations in terms of like, how do you connect with other service providers? So that in terms of a consultation, a lot of times I provide like ongoing therapy. So that would be like weekly or bi-weekly sessions throughout their pregnancy and postpartum that support their will. Typically those are really like coping strategies, utilizing a variety of different therapeutic modalities like cognitive behavior therapy, dialectical behavior therapy, narrative therapy, solution focused. Moving into postpartum once the baby's here, is that the same weekly sessions and does it move into how they parent and adaptability or anything like that? Yeah, I think weekly sessions can be really hard for a new parent to keep with, I try to be as flexible as possible in terms of my cancellation policy because I know how it is with newborns and kids and they get sick or, you know, when they're older but that's on the newborn, they're just, you're not sleeping, you're tired, the baby's not really on a schedule. So try to be as flexible as possible in terms of like support. I also spend a lot of time providing psychoeducation around like child development, like infant development. What's typical? There's so many misconceptions out there. Like, you have to be teaching your baby this and you have to be like making sure they know how to self soothe and don't pick them up too much. And so I really try to provide some psychoeducation around um, infants' development, where their brain is at and what they are and what they are not able to do, control what skills that they actually have, which are, you know, not what people think that they have and the agents that they do. So I do provide that. But again, that's across the board. And I think with disability could be 
things coming up for them. It's a big realization. I wasn't shocked about how the lack of sleep I got and the fact that the baby was like, yeah, up all the time, needing constant feedings, changing constant diapers and just like the day-to-day things. But I was really confronted with my ability. I think that that's the part that's really unique about working with parents with disabilities, that parenting can be confronting. Having a baby and parenting with a disability can be very different. Every day I'm confronted with what I can and cannot do. Or, and although parts of that are getting better because she's getting older and a bit more like, you know, she sort of listens, she's only two. Um, but, you know, she's able to like step up on my wheelchair so I could hold her. Like there's so many things that I still wish I could do. And I think it is very confronting that your life isn't the same, but that's also across the board with or without disability. But when you have a disability, it's about what you can and can't do and how we define what a parent is, especially a mother. Well, a mother is the one that does everything physical for their kids. They cook, they clean, they change on their diapers, they feed them, they play with them. They, you know, they're doing all of these things. And a lot of them are physical tasks that people with disabilities struggle with. Like, I don't really clean, you know? Oh, and I, not a very, yeah, if you saw me vacuum, you would think it would be hilarious. Like, I, it's just not a thing that I do. I don't really cook either. I have people that help me with that. I buy my own groceries, pick out what we're going to eat. But I'm not trying to move a boiling pot of water in my power wheelchair from, like, the, you know, the stove to the sink to drink. Like, isn't something I Is it something I can do once in a while? Sure. But it's like these things, like what makes a mother? And I really tried to tell myself and my clients the importance of the relationship between a parent and their child, not the tasks of being a parent with your child. To me, that is something that's so unique to, to, to disability, just that constant confronting of what your abilities are, what they're not. And how do you get back to that relationship to be honest, Kelsey, we have a lot to teach people who don't have disabilities about parenting. And I think other people get really caught up with the physical demands of parenting that they forget the connection. Or the connection seems so hard, you know, or that being in the moment or attuning to your child is so much more difficult when you're worried about who's going to clean your house and the dishes, right? And I think that we can allow... People to have a different perspective. And I think that that's something that, you know, as a disabled person, like we have so many problem solving skills. We know what's important. We can't be bothered doing all these things. Like it's just, I would never get through my day. And so I just think that it's, it's a really good reminder. And I really try to talk about like, forget what you can't do. What are you able to do? What are your assistants able to help? when you're caring for this child is it putting the baby and resting it on you is it that you're able to grab the wipes and hand it to them like what can we do to kind of have you involved in every process maybe not physical part for them well i don't know if this would relate to in the u.s but how would someone go about finding a social worker for the perinatal period in canada especially what resources can you point them to i mean i'd imagine that in the states you have social workers at the hospital but i'm not sure how i mean i was a social worker at a hospital 
I thought, you know, I was pretty helpful. I don't know what system is like over there. But um, I also have my own private practice. There's a lot of websites, like even psychologytoday.com. I think that's U.S. and Canadian for your location. And look for a private therapist that way. There's like therapy tribe. There's a bunch of websites where you can look for your own therapist. And like for me, I can only practice in Ontario with people who live in Ontario because I'm registered to the College of Social Work. So there are guidelines with that piece. But in terms of like workshops, I'm not as restricted. But I, I definitely think it's a, it's a good question. And I think people stigmatize therapy a lot as well. And also therapy has a financial impact on people when they're accessing private therapy and they don't have insurance. And so that's something else to consider. So it's like, where else could you get that support? Is there a mom group? Is there persons with disabilities group that you could join? Like, is there other ways you can get support? So maybe you don't need to go to therapy once a week. You go to therapy every other week. So it's just like, where else can you kind of buff up some of your support so that you're able to afford therapy, but also have these additional Like I used to run a free postpartum support group, not just for parents with disabilities, like open to anyone. And it was free. It was virtual during the pandemic. And it was very popular because people could join. They didn't have to like get out of the house, get the baby in the car, get ready, like go. Like they could just open their phone and join the other about where they were at and they could hear from a mom who was six months along in their postpartum somebody who's six weeks and just the differences right and getting that hope that you know what these long nights they will get better in toronto we do have a parenting with disabilities group and they used to meet monthly at the need i i i'm not sure if that's still happening it wasn't as popular i think as me i didn't want it but it wasn't as popular i think and i think it's just really hard because there's all this element of there's not that many parents with disabilities sometimes in the small area and then the ones that are it's like you know people are working the people are busy and it's sharp so like we think but i think you know make opening things up internationally and nationally i say like it's probably a little bit easier to find people well thank you for your information on this and coming back on to share i really appreciate it thank you so much for having me it was so lovely thank you for listening and feel free to email me if you have any questions or would like to be featured on the podcast at disabledbirthstories at gmail.com